0: You're listening to Jai Long, and this is Make Your Break, episode number 25. Today, I have a very special guest that just flew in from Sydney and has met me here at my Melbourne studio, Zoe Morley. Zoe is a very talented wedding photographer, and I met her four years ago in California at a photo conference, and we've just hit it off since then. I've noticed, I've followed her along on Instagram and I've noticed so many incredible projects that she's worked on. She's been doing some fundraising and she's been, she did a Kickstarter exhibition, like creating a book and all these things. So I really wanted to get her on the show and get her to just share her experience and her ups and her downs and her motivation and her challenges and all those things. You know, when you follow someone on social media, you get one side of the story and it can be easy to see someone to be successful. Or, you know, things are just working out for them. Because without us trying, it's not really our fault. But we always love to share the very end of a project or like the successes and those little things. And a lot of the times everything else gets swept behind the curtain, you know, which is self-doubt and anxiety and not feeling good enough and so many other things. So it's good on my podcast to be able to share those stories and get in a little bit deeper and just see how it feels sometimes when you're putting on a big project or you're hitting a big goal, or you're working on something and it can look from the outsider's perspective like such a big deal and so so much success. And so I just want to talk to Zoe and see how that is and how that feels. So before we jump in, I want to let you know all the links for Zoe are going to be on the show notes. So you can go over to jialong.co forward slash blog. Everything will be on there that she's talking about and you can have a look at some of her images. I'll link her Instagram and all that kind of stuff. So before we get started, I want to share a listener's review. I love going through and just reading all the reviews and all the DMs that people send me. The people that are just, you know, listening to my podcast all the time. And I just want to let you know, I see you and I hear you and I really appreciate you. So this one comes from Tim LaFell. In an industry where so many people hide their secrets to keep themselves at the top and forefront of the industry, Jai shares so much knowledge and experience that at three years into my business, I can bring so much help, knowledge, and inspiration to my mind. I listen to Jai's podcast at work. Being like Jai, changing out of a trade-based career that I've been doing for 10 years, which is a chef, his stories inspire me on this leap of faith and what to do next and what I'm passionate about. I hope you're blessed and you keep blessing everyone around you, Jai. Best of luck, Tim. Thank you so much, Tim. I wanted to read that out because it was such a long and such a thought out and thoughtful review and I just really appreciate that. If you want to leave me a review, you can do it on the Apple Podcast app. I love going through there and just reading those. The last thing I want to say, if you want to DM me and uh, connect on Facebook and if you love this podcast episode, share it on Instagram, jialong.co. If you do share it, tag me in there so I can share it as well and give you a bit of a shout out. So let's dive in. Hey, so we have Zoe Morley here um, and we, I really wanted to get her on the show actually because I actually met Zoe about four years ago in Photo Field Trip in um, Los Angeles and we kind of hit it off from there and I really love her work and all the things that she does and one thing that really stands out is she uses her creativity and her creative outlet I guess to create awareness and raise money for you know certain causes and she's really dove into that and she's done some really cool stuff including a book and an exhibition and a few different things so we're going to dive in and we're actually going to get a bit of the background story and um and yeah the highs and the lows and all the in-betweens and see how it all works and if you're out there and you're thinking one day you would love to do something like this this could really help you so hi Zoe.
1: Hey thanks for having me.
0: Yeah of course how have you been?
1: Good thank you.
0: So you just got off the plane from Sydney and um, just arrived here in Melbourne at my studio.
1: Yeah, it's actually really fun seeing the space and where you work from and Mm -hmm. have a wedding down here tomorrow. So it worked out really well.
0: Yeah, so cool. Um, So you're a wedding photographer.
1: Yes, I am. (laughs) And
0: you shoot weddings all over Australia and all over the place?
1: Yeah, I do a lot of them interstate, a lot of them just out of Sydney. I'm based in Sydney, so... um, just do a lot around the Southern Highlands and that kind of thing and been shooting for about seven years.
0: Cool. Tell me a little bit about how you started as a wedding photographer. Like how did you make your break? I just want to hear just a little story.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's actually quite a funny story to be honest. So I used to be a flight attendant um, and then I came back from doing that with a bit of a background in photography and wanted to kind of get into it full-time But I also didn't want to spend too much time fluffing about second shooting and all that so I put on a big fake wedding with my cousin who's a model and we invited all of our friends we got a dress from Grace Loves Lace so this was about eight years ago Mm -hmm. seven years ago and at that time Grace Loves Lace wasn't a big thing so I was pretty lucky and we went to Maya, got some bridesmaids' dresses. It was all just massive setup, and yeah, shot a wedding as if it was real, and I used that for my portfolio because obviously you can't shoot a wedding unless you've got a wedding. Yeah. Um, and honestly, I just used that as my first ever wedding that I photographed, and got booked off that. And I, when I got booked for my first wedding, I'd never even been to a wedding before. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think there are a lot of people in the same boat. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It, was, it worked. So, I knew I could take a good photo, but I didn't know um, how to get booked without doing a wedding first. And I think, yeah, once you take away all the pressures of social media and everything, it just worked. Mm. So, I mean, I don't know if you can do that now, but because <laughs> everyone kind of looks at your social media first. But, um Yeah. It is pretty interesting
0: just how much it's changed in the last few years. Yeah, even since then,
1: yeah. Because when I first got in, Instagram wasn't a big deal and um, I guess we all just used websites and so you could make a fake wedding. But now, (laughs) I don't know, everyone's like looking at your Instagram and everything, so... I don't know. you could try.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure. I mean, this is just like a little thing that a lot of people don't realize is that no one actually looks at my website anymore. No, and I don't I think so.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I haven't actually put a new website. I mean, a wedding on my website, I think in like three yeah, or three I years. I hardly ever
1: update mine. Yeah. And you know, what's funny is that I got all my bookings when I first started off spending a lot of time getting to know AdWords really well. And I put a lot of money into AdWords. Yeah. And I just nailed it. I got so, I got top, you know, on Google. And I, the first year I did that fake wedding in December and by April the next year I already had 20 bookings just based off AdWords. And it's kind of rocketed from there
0: that's so good you know one of the reasons why that would have been so successful is because not many photographers know how to use like google ads or even facebook ads yeah, and things
1: but it's really powerful yeah and i think <laughs> if people really understood the value of that they wouldn't be spending money on print ads anymore like you you totally. under you really un- need to understand how valuable social media and the internet is like mm. just look at the celeste barber thing look she raised 50 million dollars mm. and that's just purely off Facebook and all the connections on Facebook you have. So you have such a big pull through online networking.
0: It's incredible. It's actually been one of the ways that um, I do a lot of mentoring and I've been getting people um, to do Facebook ads and do uh, Google ads. And I've been getting them some really good results because they want to get, you know, 20 bookings for their first year or 30 bookings and I can get them that I know through the ads because just no one knows how to utilise those ads. So it's like this really amazing open market where everyone's like competing and fighting on Instagram and then nobody its just like nobody's even thought about this.
1: Yeah, I think that's the problem with social media in terms of Instagram and getting followers and likes is people are so concerned with that rather than actually running a business, whereas... Like i kind of learned at the beginning that running the business for me takes priority so i'm much more interested in caring for my clients in packaging in um getting my name out there through referrals and online bookings from google than i am about instagram and the likes and the followers totally. and putting all my efforts into that it was really paid off because i'm getting like 40 to 50 work, like bookings a year or at this This year I'm shooting 45, I'd probably cap it at that, I wouldn't go more, but yeah. yeah. And that's purely just from starting off with Google like keywords and getting to know (laughs) how to work that.
0: That's awesome. Um, Thanks for sharing that. I want to jump into your projects that um, I only know of the first time that you did this, but I know you've done it twice. Um, So the project's called
1: (laughs) Nondjubulu. Almost.
0: (laughs) (laughs) go. Can you tell me just a little bit about like what it actually is, where it started, why you started it and um, take us on a bit of a journey?
1: Yeah, sure. So the journey is quite a long one. (laughs) Um, So basically my love of sort of South Africa, where this project starts from, is because I was born in South Africa and I've been going back and affiliated with South Africa for a really long time and I always wanted to give back to the local community there because they had such a profound effect on me growing up. So uh, when I was travelling, when I was 18, I spent a whole year travelling around Europe and Africa and I went and spent three months volunteering at an AIDS orphanage called Riaboth, and they care for the children that have been abandoned or um, are often due to HIV-AIDS. So it was a really uh, special experience, obviously quite confronting at times and kind of at that time I wasn't a photographer yet, obviously, but um, before I left my mum had given me my first film camera and the kids there were so beautiful, like even though they were affected and HIV positive, I kind of could see past that stigma that everyone else gave them or they just you know, kids that are sick and kids that are HIV positive and I could see the children for who they were and I really wanted to document that with photography and that's kind of where I learnt my love of photography and capturing people in their element and really documenting, I guess, what I saw in front of me. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I didn't really have any kind of concept of what I would do with these photos but I really just wanted to photograph the life of these children whilst I was there and then when I got back from that...
0: Can I just quickly just ask you, like, what actually made you compelled to, like, pick up your film camera and take a photo of these children? I
1: don't know. I think it was such a unique and different experience. Like, there we had children who were all HIV positive. Um,
0: Did that kind of break your heart or did you just sort of see past it? No,
1: it's heartbreaking. And people who haven't been there and experienced it would never know what it's like. And I think a part of me just really wanted to share that with the world, like Mm -hmm. not that these kids are sick but also that they have opportunity to be, you know, live a life and without funding and stuff that opportunity dwindles because they need money for um, antiretrovirals and schooling and education and um, even just like other things that all kids take for granted like creativity or sports or something like that and I thought if there was one way I could give back it would be kind of just help educating the world that there are children out there that need our help and yeah I guess I don't really know I just kind of wanted to document what was there Mm. and I love photography and I think that was just for me a special way of doing it
0: absolutely i don't
1: know does that answer the question
0: yes it does answer my question and i think i just wanted to ask you that question because you know you weren't a photographer at this stage so sometimes like i think just having a camera can give you a reason to like make an extra connection and um yeah you answered it for me cool yeah so what happened next
1: so i took the photos and then i didn't really know what to do with them so i guess i just i thought I mean, at the time, I had no idea what I was going to use these photos for. But when I got home, I kind of went through them, got them developed because they were film back then. And I thought, oh, this could maybe open up some, I don't know, ideas or doors or something in in terms of fundraising. So back then, I guess I was only 19 and a lot of people were open to supporting me. And so I approached Epson, um, I approached a gallery in Paddington and I had a lot of support like behind me to kind of put on this exhibition, which I did. And uh, I think it was in 2006 I had the f- first exhibition.
0: Wow, that's a long time ago. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I was such a baby. I was only
1: <laughs> like 19. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was actually quite a big opening. Um, we managed to raise about $20,000 that wow. time around. and
0: That's a big thing to do at I a young I was age. 20,
1: Yeah, it was... I think I got a lot of help that time yeah. and people do really like supporting young people who are ambitious and kind of want to support them on in their dreams when they're young.
0: Absolutely, yeah.
1: So that was really nice and I got actually a big review written up in the Sydney Morning Herald on the front page of like the arts section and wow. I think that helped. As well, because it was written up by a really um, Robert McFarlane, who's actually a famous photojournalist from Sydney. Wow. Yeah, and I think that helped back the project and give it... Uh, Some legitimacy. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't mm-hmm. just this, like, young girl who didn't really know what she was doing. It suddenly became a bit more of a story mm-hmm. that people enjoyed to go and see. So we actually had quite a lot of people come through and through that a lot of money was raised and I got to do a little bit of guest speaking from there. Wow. And then I think... I just went to uni and I kind of forgot about that whole part that I had done. Mm-hmm. And then it was 10 years on and I thought, "Oh, wouldn't it be cool to go back and revisit that project and go and photograph the kids that I'd originally photographed when they were young and photograph them now as you know, teens or young adults and see how their life has progressed?" Mm. Yeah, so that was kind of like where I thought I'd go with the project and then obviously try and have a fundraising exhibition when I got back. Yeah. So I ran a Kickstarter campaign and that did way better than I expected.
0: (laughs) So what were you expecting?
1: I just basically wanted help with covering flights and accommodation uh, to get back to South Africa to the orphanage, which is in KwaZulu-Natal just outside of Durban. Basically, that's all I wanted and it ended up being that we got $11,000, I don't know why I keep saying we, I got um, (laughs) $11,000 in donations, which really helped with paying for the um, travel and then also helped with actually putting on the exhibition when I came back.
0: Awesome. That must have felt pretty good.
1: It did, but it also put on a lot of pressure on myself to give back to the people that had supported me because part of kickstarter i don't know if you know but depending on the pledges you kind of tell them that you're going to give them something in return mm-hmm. and a lot of my the things that i'd said i would give them was like um prints and da 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 from the exhibition yeah nothing that existed so yep. this already like before it even started there was always already like this thing that i had to aim for and achieve and I'm a massive perfectionist mm-hmm. and I get really bad anxiety. So already I was freaking out before I even got there. So.
0: With your anxiety and stuff, when you put yourself out there to do a Kickstarter, were you yeah. really nervous about oh, it? Oh like- my goodness.
1: I was so nervous. I really felt like no one, like I thought that people would just think this is so silly or that. I was so afraid of failure that the Kickstarter wouldn't even hit because my goal on the Kickstarter was 3000 I think. Yep. And I thought there's no way I'm going to reach 3000 It's going to be an embarrassment to me and blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah, and then when it kept going up and up and up, I was, yeah, totally blown away.
0: Do you think that experience helped you now with fear of like, um, sort of handling of like, failure. no just sort of like handling yourself doubt a little bit so when you kind of do something mm. like that and then it kind of blows it out of the water and then after that you can go oh maybe you know people do care or maybe I, c- I can do something like for your own self-confidence I guess
1: yeah I wish but that's the problem with the mind I don't know I think it's very common with creatives we have so much self-doubt and Mm -hmm. are very critical of ourselves and comparing our photos or whatever I know I am
0: yeah and so
1: even though you get so much support and people tell you all the time oh my gosh your photos are beautiful I don't ever believe it in myself and I know that's something that I have to work on but Mm -hmm. even after I got this proof like physical proof that people loved my work or were happy to support me whatever I just didn't believe it.
0: Yeah, that people yeah. are literally voting of their dollars yeah. saying we believe in you.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I no. was like, too worried about the next step to be actually thankful of that. And I think it's taken me a long time to come back full circle and appreciate how great it was that that happened. Mm. It's helped me a lot now looking back. But mm-hmm. this whole year or well, two years, basically, from the start of the project to the end of the project, I couldn't see any positives in it. <laughs>
0: So, it was just hard, daunting. Oh, man,
1: it was Mm -hmm. so stressful.
0: (laughs) Okay. (laughs)
1: Yeah, it was really stressful and hard and challenging. And there was a lot of ups and downs, especially with the project itself. So, when I got to South Africa, I totally did not appreciate how much time and effort and how hard the actual project would be. Like, because when I was first there, when I was 18, I was really looked after because I was part of the orphanage. Like, I was doing a job there. Mm -hmm. But then going back, I was really alone. Like, I didn't really have support. Like, I wish I took somebody with me. And I I also didn't know where the kids were because some of them weren't at the orphanage anymore. So I had to, like, go into these really rural communities by myself. Um, And it was quite, you know, dangerous areas. Mm. As a blonde single woman, it's a little bit daunting at times, especially with a lot of camera gear I had with me. Mm -hmm. Also just managing the children at the orphanage. I get really excited with... When visitors come. Yeah. And they were just all guns blaring, like jumping off me. And I was like trying to like take photos and they're running off with my cameras. And I just couldn't like manage everything. Like I really just wish I had an assistant with me. Mm. And then because the kids who I wanted to photograph, um, who are now adults, were kind of going through that really, um, that teenage phase where you're too cool. And they did not want a bar of me when I first got there. So I kind of had to warm them up to me and get them used to me and before I could even start shooting. And there was, yeah. So there was a lot of complications that I kind of had to overcome by Uh, myself.
0: So it's just like a lot of challenges that you didn't even foresee.
1: No, yeah. There's so many, yeah, new things that I kind of experienced when I was there. That I got lost once Mm -hmm. uh, and ended up in a cornfield and (laughs) like in the middle of nowhere in the dark in south africa it's like really (laughs) it's bad (laughs)
0: yeah 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 Yeah. that's so interesting so um like i'm curious like why did you do it on your own is it just because like that's what the kickstarter was i think
1: so like i actually never even it never even crossed my mind that i should do it with a team or that i should have an assistant or somebody to help me i think because i've always been really fiercely independent Mm -hmm. i always traveled independently and done everything for myself and by myself I kind of didn't think that having somebody would be helpful mm. and that was my mistake because I definitely think you should get help when you need it.
0: <laughs> Where does that independence come from?
1: I think I grew up in a very creative household. My mum's an artist and she's definitely very independent herself and I kind of just got that off her, I think, growing up, yeah, yeah. making so- things work.
0: Absolutely. It sounds like it's really helped you with um, this project because I know a lot of people would never dare to do something of this scale. Yeah. You know?
1: it I kind of actually didn't even think about it at the time. It was more just it's got to be done kind of thing. I never kind mm. of even thought twice about getting to south africa hiring a car driving like i didn't even think about the logistics of stuff yeah i was like oh no it'll be fine i'll be i'll I'll get it done it's fine
0: (laughs) can can i tell you just a funny side side story yeah (laughs) about exactly that um i was shooting a wedding uh i think it was in chicago and then i had to shoot a wedding the weekend after in norway and i was on a big end of a big long trip and then on the way home i got contacted by some people in uh, kenya and they asked if i can shoot their wedding i said yeah sure like if they could organise the flights and pay for me from from Oslo to Kenya to Melbourne, like it's no problem at all. And because I was so busy, I just didn't even look at my itinerary. I didn't know what city I was flying into. I didn't even know like what I was actually doing. And I remember the flight there when we landed, I was like, so where am I going anyway? And then someone picked me up. Then they took me to a little airport and then we flew out to the middle of nowhere and then I was on like a dirt runway with this little plane buzzing along. When I finally got there, these guys picked me up and they were from the Maasai tribe and all all dressed up, you know, in their traditional clothing and everything. And they put me in the uh, four-wheel drive. And it was probably about three hours, like, you know, driving through the wilderness with lions and all sorts of things where... I had to stop and go like hey guys where are we like on the globe I don't even know where I am right now or where are we going like how long does it take to get <gasps> there like what's happening
1: so did they take you to like the Masai Mara or like yeah. the Ngora Gora crater
0: yeah so mm-hmm. I went was it called like the in- Masai like it's not a national park is it yeah 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 so I went in there and there's there was just like a big camp and so yeah, it cool. was just like camp this camp was like camp for wealthy people that wanted to come and, yeah. and sort of hang out so I was just like there Amazing, but yeah, which is like one of those things of like, Oops. oh, uh, I don't actually know where I am right now or what I'm doing. Like,
1: yeah. that's when you really put uh, put yourself in the hands of others. Yeah,
0: I think with projects like um, something like this, um, I think if you overcomplicated it and thought too hard at the start you probably wouldn't do it. Like, you know, yeah. Like if you're thinking about all those logistics and like how hard it is to catch a taxi when there's no Uber and how hard it is to like, you know, um, communicate with people or find, you know, food and clean water and help and things like that. Um, it would probably turn you off. And I know with every big project I've ever done, even just shooting that wedding in, in Kenya, um, for me, I look at it, from past tense so after it's done i was like whoa that was crazy and that was hard and i didn't expect any of that but then i think man if i did expect that i probably wouldn't have done that because it was it was actually hard
1: yeah exactly and Mm. i don't know i think i think the best surprises kind of come to those who Put down their barriers and just kind of do things like just oh, do yeah, it absolutely like, what's holding you back yeah and once you think too much about certain things like logistics i mean like obviously this is a point that you've got to think about logistics like i knew i yeah. had accommodation like i didn't know what it was like you gonna had be, a passport like- <laughs> yeah <laughs> um that was touch and go there for a while but um you, get, you end up with the best stories don't you like everyone's like so you have the best stories and I always like I do I like why don't you have great stories and I think it is because I kind of put myself out in a limb and I take mm-hmm. chances and do things that other people would say no to like I've you know been to East Timor and I photographed mountain bike races on the back of motorbikes and done fun crazy shit like that yeah and then absolutely. I've kind of guarantee that lots of girls wouldn't do that mm-hmm. by themselves in random places yeah but i don't know it's fun yeah,
0: totally <laughs> i mean and it's it's interesting for me because it's very normal for me because that's like pretty much my life yeah but i think to me, it just seems like you're living life. Yeah, that's what it is. Like if you get too hung up on logistics and how this project's going to work out, and how other people are going to perceive it, and if it's going to succeed, and all these things, then it's like you're actually not living anymore, and you're like you're going to start, you know, retracing into your own mind and like making it really hard for yourself. But yeah. the second you let go of those barriers, you actually start living, and that's why you get stories because yeah, you've exactly. been alive for yeah. the last however many. And years. And I think
1: that also plays into work as well. I think there's a lot of fear. In taking jobs <laughs> and you know getting out and in front of people with your own work, with wedding photography, um, and competition, and kind of like criticizing yourself based off other people's work, and you're kind mm-hmm. of almost putting up barriers for yourself by doing that. Like you've just got to just kind of let down those barriers and just be okay with what you've got with your own work and get out there yeah
0: if you're happy with the stuff that you're doing and you're doing it for yourself you become so empowered yeah because all of a sudden you're just trying to impress yourself and then you're trying to get better than what you did last weekend or that's what it it is it's
1: about impressing yourself and once you're happy with that then that's where all the success lies, like, not about comparing yourself to others. That's, like, the biggest flaw, I think.
0: Absolutely.
1: I don't know. We got sidetracked.
0: But. <laughs> we got sidetracked, but really good stuff. Um, so going back on to this, I know you had a big exhibition and you yep. put together a book um, and you raised some money. So I just want to hear, like, the next yeah. next little part.
1: So I guess it all worked out with the um, <laughs> taking the photos in Africa. Um, but I, it just didn't go the way I expected, I guess. I did have... I just didn't love my photos and i know i have really high expectations of myself and i'm very self-critical and i honestly hated my photos i couldn't look at them and it took me a year to even begin to start thinking about the exhibition after i got back and
0: that must have been so hard
1: yeah there was a lot of self-held hurdles that i kind of had to overcome uh and i just i was Absolutely petrified of the exhibition and I kind of if I didn't have the Kickstarter behind me I would have probably not done it it because I just didn't believe in what I had done even though I had overcome all these crazy obstacles getting the photos you couldn't for me I didn't feel like you could see that in the images that I got because it was such a difficult project to coordinate when I was there Uh, and what I kind of got out of it wasn't what I thought was exhibition worthy Mm -hmm. and anyway I was like well I have to do this Uh, (laughs) and so I had to find a space and I actually put it through to uh, Head On. Do you know Head On? I do. Which got accepted so it was part of the Head On Photo Festival in Sydney. Pretty much my like life dream. (laughs) I've always wanted to be have my portrait in Head On. Yeah that's amazing. Yeah so I was really I was so happy that it got into that and I felt really proud of myself for that. So that kind of helped me, I guess, push me forward with everything else. But unfortunately, I didn't realise that Head On is kind of, it's, I don't know how to discuss that, but uh, they're kind of all for themselves in a way that it was really difficult then to get sponsorship outside of Head On. Mm -hmm. There's like a lot of internal conflicts and there's so much red tape so I kind of almost, even though there was this thing that I'd always wanted to be a part of, in the end it actually hurt my exhibition because Wow. if it wasn't a fundraising thing and if it had purely just been for myself, it would have been great. Mm-hmm. But because my aim was to raise as much money as possible and to kind of do everything as easily as possible, it made things way harder because... They had all their restrictions and they didn't want me to use certain people. Anyway, it became a mission. So that was kind of a challenge.
0: It must have felt like one step forward, like two Two steps back. It
1: did. And it was really hard to get sponsorship from other people too. And in the end, I I did get sponsored, but it wasn't like the first exhibition where everything was kind of came for free. Uh, This time I had to pay for everything out of the exhibition expenses and uh, we just got we got discounts which was really lovely of everybody that did sponsor yeah. and really thoughtful and you know generous of them but it still took out of the money that I knew that I was going to donate and I felt a lot of um, regret I don't know I, I took that on myself and yeah it was just a challenge and everything I was doing myself so I was finding trying to find sponsors trying to like follow the rules so many rules (laughs) it's awful
0: (laughs) absolutely I think there's there's probably a lot of rules too when you enter competitions but also when you're fundraising like when you're actually making
1: that was actually a big thing that I Mm. learned especially dealing with children Mm -hmm. so a part of the thing that became uh, obvious as time went on is that it was it's really hard to get a tax deduction as a donation for children because they it's a, a lot of it has been linked in the past with sex trafficking of children mm-hmm. so it was really that was a, one of the reasons why it was really difficult to get sponsorship um in the end it was all fine and i, I ended up being affi- affiliated with a feeder who work directly with South africa so i could make everything a tax deduction which is important when you're doing donations yeah uh but it was tricky actually yeah so yeah, many right. so many challenges <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's just so interesting. And yeah. I bet you just didn't even think about you know None all know of that. this when you're taking those
1: photos. I thought everyone was going to be like jumping up and down to help me. Like I had <laughs> the story. I had, you know, this, like, this amazing like then and now um, story of like children and how they've grown and how they're affected by HIV AIDS and, you know, how they're still like living out a life for themselves regardless of the stigma associated to them. And I had all that and still kind of no one was really willing to help me and mm. i was it made it really brought down how i felt about the exhibition overall and mm. i just ended up putting up so so much pressure on myself because i don't know it was just really hard to get a community behind me to help even though i thought that what i was doing was right yeah. it was just quite a lonely experience in the end which was surprising i think if it had been um a local charity or a local organisation that i was trying to help i think i would have got a lot more support actually yeah yeah
0: um what about the exhibition night so you've yeah. you've gone and you've printed everything yep. you've done it's all your hung. Ma- you've done your marketing mm. you've you know put the Tried. call out there you've told everybody everything's come down to this one point you've overcome all those obstacles and like you know i'm not loving your work and things like that and they've seen it on the wall and you're seeing people walking through the door and how did you feel there?
1: So the lead up, I was extremely, I had the worst anxiety I've ever had in my life. Like it was really, my mental health was not good at that point. Like I was really struggling. Um, I wasn't sleeping. I was taking like three to Mazapan a night, like just to get to sleep. Uh, I just had, was so riddled with self-doubt. Like I, I can't even describe how like my mind was mm-hmm. leading up to it like you know when you just think overthink everything yeah I'm just like crazy like that <laughs> and so I thought oh no one's going to come to the exhibition I've put so much time there was so many challenges to overcome like I've lost so much income because I had like I didn't shoot weddings for ages so I could do the project I had to outsource all my editing so I had time for everything else like I literally lost half a year's worth of income plus I would be donating all the money and I was like, is this even worth it? You know, like all the things that you can possibly imagine. Of course. And I was like, no one's gonna come, like what do you blah blah. blah. So I, we kind of like catered for like maybe like a hundred or max was a hundred. Like I invited a hundred people basically. Yeah. And I had Gail Kelly open it, which was amazing. Mm-hmm. And on the night, like over two hundred people came. Wow. And it was crazy like it was so everyone was so supportive and so amazing to me and so encouraging and loved the work we sold heaps of books we sold lots of prints and I had to do a like speech which I freaked out about before but it all went well (laughs) and yeah it was just a really surreal experience
0: when you had a couple drinks and you made that speech and it was kind of the end of everything Hmm. was that was that did that feel like the most rewarding point or was that still really hard
1: you know what's weird everyone expects that it would be <laughs> and i think when you have anxiety like i've suffered with anxiety um basically my whole life or since i was a teenager i just i think your head just goes into like negative spaces sometimes <laughs> and because I put so much pressure on myself, then all I could think was, like, have we raised enough money? Have I sold enough books? Did I put the wrong prices on it? Um, Like, it's just crazy that you just can't acknowledge that what you've done is amazing, like, what you've done, like, you've actually achieved this incredible thing. And people are buying your work and supporting you. But, uh, yeah, no, I I went home and cried. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, I didn't leave my room for, like, a day. I just cried and cried and cried. Just, like just thinking it wasn't good enough
0: and now do you think it's good enough
1: yeah now i do it's taken a long time for me to get through that i think a lot of it was the stress that my body went through in the lead up to it like putting myself through so much pressure like it was totally unnecessary like i did not manage myself well Mm -hmm. um actually one funny story I didn't even know this was possible but because I was so stressed and I still was shooting weddings so doing all that at the same time um one night I woke up in the middle of the night and my arm was in the most agony I've ever had like screaming I was like screaming so we had to go to hospital and I had it x-rayed and the doctor was like your arm's broken and I was like, what? I just was sleeping. He's like, uh, wow. have you been really stressed lately or using overuse in your arm or blah, blah? Uh, so they put it, wrapped it up in a cast and everything. And I was like, mm, kind of. And it actually had got um, calcified tendonitis. So it's when you overuse your muscles so much, it calcifies. Wow. And like chunks of calcified bone were just like floating around my arm. So it feels like a break. And it's just like your body is literally shutting down because it's like, Man, just slow down, please. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's enough. I need a rest.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I put my body through too much. And I think it just took a long time for me to, like, get over that and just realise the achievement that I made. But I literally, like, at the end of the exhibition when it all wrapped up because it went for three weeks, uh, we ended up, What well, I, we, um, we raised how uh, much, like, $32,000 altogether.
0: Wow. yeah. It's amazing. Yeah,
1: so I was happy that we got to that point. Yeah. I mean, of course, my brain's like, we could have got more. I could have got more. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, and then there was still a bit of a process to like get through, got to like print the photos that people have bought, and yeah. uh, you know all the boring stuff like get those tax deductions out to people, and I could I literally had zero left in the tank for that. Like I just couldn't even look at it anymore, and I think because I had gone below zero I was just ready to give up and I did not want to look at a photo I didn't want to talk about the exhibition I didn't want to have anything to do with it for like a year wow yeah and then it's only like my husband and I we moved into our new place and there's like one of the big beautiful prints that I had um in the exhibition I got it framed and I was like I actually really love this this is like my favorite out of the whole exhibition and uh I'm actually proud of this one thing from the exhibition. So I hung it up in our living room and I was like, actually, this is really awesome and I should be proud of what I did. So it, it took.
0: Yeah, you I think we've even had
1: a little cry and I was like, oh, like pat myself on the back. Like, <laughs> you know, I raised some money and mm. maybe it wasn't exactly what I thought it would be, but I still did something that a Lot of people wouldn't be able to do
0: absolutely, yeah. You've done a lot, so yeah. Tell me, like, that money did it change lives? Has it helped people? Yeah,
1: yeah. They went so I ended up actually splitting it between Rioboth, which is the AIDS orphanage that I originally went to, and where I went back to find those kids that I photographed. But I also, on my trip, I actually visited, um an AIDS hospice so that's where people in the community go to pass away or in the final stages of life and they don't get much funding at all because you know everyone wants to give money to the kids Mm -hmm. so when you get the limited funding it's like going to the you know the children but no one really wants to donate money to the elderly and so I donated a portion to them because I took some Photos there too, and they were really like supportive of me. And then the other place I went to is this local crèche in the middle of nowhere, and a crèche in South Africa is basically like a kindergarten. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're all the children there. Not all of them were HIV positive or anything, but they're very undernourished and very, uh, very, yeah, poorly. Basically, they get given their one meal a day is at the kindergarten and they get just basically a whole bowl of vitamins powder because they all have scurvy because they don't have enough vitamins. How crazy is that? Mm. Um, They have sores. They have, you know, a whole plethora of illnesses and this is like their only chance to get nutrition. And so if it wasn't for that crèche they would basically just be eating they eat maize and bread. That's all they eat. Mm. Um, so I gave a portion of the funding to them. So I guess overall like they weren't all given a lot of money but I felt like it supported like a, a few different places that meant a lot to me
0: absolutely and I must feel really good yeah like, yeah yeah
1: <laughs> yes. Yes, yes it feels great <laughs> yeah
0: I mean I think like from my perspective it seems like you've done an amazing thing yeah and, and I feel like you've been hard on yourself <laughs> oh man I was so
1: hard on myself mm. um now I think I don't know why I'm, I'm just like that I think i'm very self- critical of yeah. my work and the things that I've achieved like um, but that's just me, and I feel like it makes me more determined to do better next time mm-hmm. and I think if I wasn't like that, I'd probably just not be doing what I'm doing now. I don't know, yeah, yeah. like running your own business, you've got to be a, like very like push yourself you've very, be very hard. determined yeah, 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 um, but no, I'm very happy with the end result now um i'm tired from it like i won't be doing a fundraising exhibition anytime soon
0: that was my next question when's the next one
1: yeah <laughs> another 10 <laughs> years <laughs> um i would do it very differently next time yeah and i think now because i've learned so much in that whole process i now know what is achievable and what's manageable and what um what i can do to help myself be okay during the process mm-hmm. and not just um kind of you know I kind of just drowned in everything basically and it was all a bit too much. So I think that's a big point is just, yeah, kind of like, don't do that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So to finish up, I would love to have, if you've got three tips or three pieces of advice you could give to someone that's thinking on putting on like a big thing like this. So Mm -hmm. it could be like a fundraiser or it could be an exhibition or it could be, you know, something for charity or raising awareness. Um, you know, something on those lines like, yeah, three pieces of advice that you could give out from your experiences.
1: I think definitely research and know who you want to work with, especially like the charities that you want to work with and see if they're happy to work with you. Because I think having a relationship with the charity that you're working with will make every make the world of difference because they will really help you and back you and um, support you with your goals and what you want to achieve because obviously they're going to get something in return. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I definitely think research the charities that you would want to be a part of or represent. Uh, When you have your exhibition, um, yeah, I think it depends if it's a charity. Like having your own exhibition is very different from having a fundraising exhibition because you can make different choices completely based on what you want rather than like if you have a fundraising exhibition, you have to please so many different people because you've got sponsors, sponsors to please, you've got... Yeah, so everybody. that... Yeah, everyone except yourself. So it's very different, whereas having your own exhibition, you can be selfish, yep. whereas having a fundraising exhibition, you have to be completely selfless. Mm-hmm. And like the successes of each are very different based off that. So I think um, if you're having a fundraising exhibition, ask for help, work with a group, maybe get somebody to help you with marketing, Um delegate just do different jobs and don't put don't do everything yourself Hmm. um there's definitely going to be people that will want to help but i was way too independent i was like i'll do it all myself and (laughs) i didn't realize how much work went into it i think definitely (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) definitely accept help um yeah and then just make sure you you uh do a charity that you're really passionate about, and I think the thing that got me through this exhibition was the passion I had for the mm, project, yeah. the kids themselves, um, yeah, just how I feel about HIV/AIDS and how I would want to, kind of, I I really wanted to bring out, bring down the stigma that's associated with it and educate people about it, um, and yeah, just help with fundraising, I guess, because you know there's what. of the population in South Africa is still HIV positive and I think people have kind of just forgotten about that back you know in the real world and so they yeah everyone's got another problem to focus on so I kind of just wanted to bring that back and I think when you have your own exhibition you've got to have an idea that you wanted to kind of share with people so that yeah, your you're you gonna know
0: your message. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Bring the, to the people, and then
1: just think back on that whenever it gets a bit tricky. Like, what is your message that you're trying to share with the world? Like,
0: mm. yeah. So I guess like when it's challenging times and stuff, you've got that why or that cause. Yeah, exactly. You, you find your why. Like, okay, so this is worth it. Like, yeah, it feels like it's not, but you know the end result's gonna be worth it. And this is gonna change people, and this is gonna help.
1: Yeah, that's it. Like yeah. finding your why is always really important with everything that you do. And I know that now. (laughs) That was
0: a big way to learn that lesson. Yeah, I know.
1: (laughs) Gosh. But no, I I think looking back at that, everything that I've done now, it's, yeah, it's kind of crazy. It actually kind of feels like it didn't happen. (laughs) I don't know. It's weird. This whole thing that happened in my life and it's just kind of, now I'm just doing the next thing, you know? It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, Hey, is there somewhere we can um, see the photos and is there somewhere we can connect with you?
1: Ah, you can connect with me on instagram it's just zoe morley photography and with the work i did uh on this african project it's called nonjabulo so you can go to nonjabulo.com uh which you can actually find through links on my instagram page because you know you might not be able to spell it but it's n-o-n-j-a-b-u-l-o.com
0: awesome i'll also put all that stuff in the show notes and then yeah. that way you don't get lost so <laughs> you can head over to Jalong.co. Uh, and go to the blog and you'll be able to find the show notes. So Zoe, it was so nice to have you here. And you gave me such a big insight into like, sometimes you can look at see what people are doing on social media. And I think it's important for me to have people like you on the show because a lot of people will sit there and they'll see people on social media doing big things and not realizing how much work and how much anxiety and how much, you know, effort and sacrifice goes behind the scenes and so a lot of times like we and we all do it and we don't do it on purpose but we always put our successes forward and we hide everything else behind the curtain and i think it's important to share the everything else because it gives a good perspective of like okay so you know it's been hard for me but it is hard for everybody else and you know i want to do a big project one day and this is some real life advice like this is actually how it's going to be so thank you so much for sharing with us
1: you for having me.
0: And there we have it. So good to have Zoe on the podcast. I knew she was going to bring so much. It was great having a bit of a chat, a bit of a discussion and just seeing how hard it was to put on something like that. I think a lot of us don't appreciate, you know, how much work goes into doing these projects. I also want to say, how amazing is it that so many of us or so many creatives use their skill to create awareness for things and and they do fundraising and all that kind of stuff. And you can see that just from the last bushfires that we just had in Australia. You know, there's so many actors, so many photographers, so many musicians and so many people in the arts and in the creative industry really stepped forward and donated and created events and created all these different things to really, you know, get awareness on a global scale and donate to the people that are affected. To me, it makes my heart full because I just see, you know, the whole community come together and it's incredible. So if you love what you heard, feel free to share it on Instagram and tag me at jialong.co. I always love seeing my podcast listeners putting it out there in the world and it really helps me grow the podcast as well. The funny thing is the only way to grow a podcast is literally by people actually sharing it. So it gives me the drive and determination to make sure I keep showing up giving you really good content so it becomes shareable and I can help more people out there. Last little thing, my posing and lighting course for wedding photographers is now out and it's seriously the biggest thing that I've worked on for so long. (laughs) I feel like I relate to so many things that Zoe was talking about when it comes to this. You know, you have so much self-doubt and you can live in your own mind so much Um, comparing to others and all this kind of stuff but I think for me I've been pushing through it and it feels so nice to have it out to the world and I'm getting such a good response so it feels like I'm doing the right thing I can't wait for you to to jump over and check it out I'll put it in the show notes so if you want to jump over to jialong.co forward slash 25 all the show notes will be right there and you'll be able to see what's happening I'll see you on the next episode
1: Spread the love and create opportunities for the people around you. Make Your Break is brought to you by Jai Long and produced at our in-house studio, Free the Bird Productions. We love creating opportunities for you and hope you'll share this podcast with your friends and loved ones. For more information on this podcast, our online courses, products, workshops or just want to say hi, we're here for you at Jylong.co.